Welcome, everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, I'm your host, Rob Elba. Good morning, everyone. It's a morning show because my guests, uh, we're up early. You know, we're uh, we're o- older guys, and I have my big uh, cup of coffee here, and we're just doing an early show. So uh, I'm very happy to welcome back to the show. You know him from his years as a drummer of Sebado. Uh, he's living his best life now in East Hampton, right? Are you in East Hampton, uh, yes. Massachusetts? Yeah, I've been in East Hampton since, gosh, 2007. Nice. So, yeah, we've lived here for 15, 16 years. All right, let's welcome back to the show, Mr. Bob Bay. Welcome back to the show, Bob. Thanks for having me. It's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm happy to have you. And you picked a record that... As a, a kind of like a, a touchstone record, I feel for a lot of uh, people that are into you know new music, a punk music got into it at a certain time. But Bob, I'm gonna be totally honest with you. I know I knew this band, but I never knew they were from Kansas <laughs> until yeah. Oh, yeah. just we doing this. Yeah, yeah. But who are we talking about? What's the band and well, what's the record? I figured record? I figured after the last one I did, which was the Stevie Wonder double album with the seven inch EP, you know, record, I was like, all right, I'll just go for a smaller, just barely an LP. Yes, yeah, right, 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 right. Nice. It's a very short record. There's only eight songs, but it's the Embarrassments, uh, Death Travels West. Yeah, there you which go. Which came out in 1983. Right. So, uh, so yeah, my thing is because of their connection, obviously, um, a Big Dipper, uh, Bill uh, Caprier, uh, what's Big Dipper? Tomorrow draws his breath in, and then he leaves the side, because tonight he's sailing against the chopping tide. And uh, the drummer, Brent uh, Geisman, uh, ended up playing in uh, Del Fuego's. I thought they were a, a Boston band. <laughs> No, they definitely, yeah. It's a funny thing because there's, like a lot of people in those flyover states, they kind of make their way towards the coast sometimes. Right, right, right. And, um, and yeah, Brent, I think Bill came out first to go to art school at BU. And um, pretty soon after that, he got hooked up with Gary and Steve. And then they ended up starting the band. So I, I don't think Bill's thing was like to continue music necessarily like as like oh, a right, tour right. again yep like i think he really was like trying to focus on his artwork and he got roped into playing with those guys and uh, you know okay yeah bill you know bill, i it's i was gonna talk to, you know i didn't really ever talk to him about the embarrassment it was one of those everybody's in their 20s and too cool to talk about recent things that yeah. we all really liked everybody in big dipper was a huge embarrassment thing how could you not be because i mean it's just it, it, it's exactly the stuff that we love the guitars you know the two intertwining uh guitars and the really clever really clever songs and uh you know oh, yeah. clever lyrics and yeah it's it's great and also i was really excited like i said I've known about the embarrassment. I know people love them. I see Ron uh, Klaus as the bass player, and it's like everyone yeah. who's a Big Dipper fan knows Ron Klaus. Right. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> It's all one happy tapestry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, so, you know. Yeah, so that that's awesome. So when did you when did you uh, discover them? I think it, it would have been the mid '80s. I mean, you know, like as far as like a dateline, I don't think I knew them. I think I knew about them right after they broke up. So like '84, right. you know, like they bro- they had played in Boston. They did an infamous show with the Del Fuego's or no Gun Club, Big Dipper. And the embarrassment. Oh my God! What a bill! Yeah, I think this was I, I, the fact that I didn't go leads me to think it was some sort of you know you had to have a college ID uh, be, to go right. or something. Okay, okay. I don't know how the hell I missed it because like all those ba- or the, at least two of those bands were like I was a huge fan of the Del Fuegos before they made that first record were like one of the best bands in Boston. Yeah. And then that record just sounded sort of overly slick, so I, there was this real backlash against yeah. them. Yeah. remember that i was up there at the time yeah yeah, they were just like it was just it sort of it sort of became this thing where it just left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths that it sort of come up with the del fuegos and been like oh yeah there's this unbelievably great 
rock band, you know? Yeah, it it, it did, and it's true, because I remember, I was I was up there at that time, and I remember seeing them, and wow, they're a great band, but yeah, the thing was, remember they did the uh, the record, and the guitar player didn't even uh, get to play in it, like, they got in some other yeah. guy to play guitar, and yeah, it just left, right. the, like you said, exactly, it left a bad taste in people's mouth, which is a shame. And I think at that point, like, so many bands were... St- Still, there was still this thing about like you know keeping your cred together yes. and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and just so it was, it was just bad. You know, it was just unfortunate. Unfortunate. And there was like exactly. a bunch of bands in their wake. Like there was a bunch of bands around the same time that were kind of mining the same sort of thing, but nobody sort of had that that special whatever that the early Del Fuegos had. Right, right. That I saw anyways. Yeah. And I was going to shows all the time, so I think I would have picked up on something. But yeah, yeah, who yeah, knows? yeah. So, uh, all right. So this uh, Death Travels West, like you said, it, it's uh, barely an album, but they they had put out a EP, some EPs, and this. So they kind of call, I don't even know if they called it an album or if they called it a you know. A yeah, bonus I don't know. EP. I mean, like I said, I don't know what. I think it's like twenty seven minutes is supposed to specify an LP or something like that. Oh, okay, okay. You know, it's an EP if it's shorter than that. I, right. I don't know. I, there is some sort of rule of thumb with that sort of stuff. But I know that it was just like in that great era where there was all sorts of really good EPs, like Mission of Burma's EP. Yes. And um, all the Flying Nun EPs that I was starting to get exposed to. Oh, like, yeah. There was just all this really, really good stuff. And song, you know, to have a really good record with six to eight songs, like no filler. Exactly. Exactly. Just yeah. fucking great. Yeah, right. I was it very is. excited by records like that. And this, this embarrassment record and the Celebrity Art Party EP were both like seamless like holy crap not a bad song on either record no no and it just move and it just moves along like you said it's quick and all of a sudden you're you're done and you automatically want to hear it again and and you had mentioned all right so you mentioned uh mission of burma and obviously yeah. I, I feel like mission of burma looms large on this because they were just oh, yeah. they were one of these bands that you heard them me and uh, right before we started me and uh bob were talking about bands that sort of change your whole you know, uh, a way of looking at music and Mission of Burma, I feel, was like that for a lot of people. Sure, these guys heard. Uh, at the, you know, at this point, they knew about them and they had heard them, and and you, you just hear some of that in this music. Not like they're copying yeah. them or anything, but it's just there. Well, there's a certain angularity that a lot of these bands had in the way they approached musics and rhythms, and 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 Brett, aka Woody, the drummer, was like. A very, he had a very light touch. You know what I mean? Oh, right, right, like, right. You know, like he was just like this. He had this very. I don't want to call it. It was jazz esque, really. Like his his ability to play was sort of like the way um, the drummer from television plays. It's like right, yes. It's not necessarily like a slammer, and it's not all like four four straight time. It's like there's just a lot of nuance. Oh yeah, and kind of interesting drumming to it. And Peter Prescott would certainly fall into that camp, although more of a basher. He certainly had this odd rhythm take to things sometimes like you know you'd be like wow i would have never thought to play the drums that way to that song but holy crap does it work you know yeah yeah <laughs> right but very yeah very singular to himself you're right because i remember yeah right. the, whenever i listen to them if you focus on what he's playing you're like wow he's d- definitely not playing like uh you know other drummers he's doing his own right. thing yeah and doing uh his own thing. right right I- exactly and yeah there is a lot of the drumming like when i focus on this one when when i focus on brent's drumming on this it's like oh my god this is great he's really great and yeah. everyone they're just all great you got john uh, nichols uh who's singing and, and he's playing guitar and organ but just the guitars with him and bill uh you know just playing their guitar like you mentioned uh, television and also you hear a lot of like if if someone just played this to me and said they were at the time they were some post punk band from uh, Europe, you know, from England, I would say, oh yeah, okay, you could hear that. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Well, they were into all that stuff. I, I think if you ask them, and I think there's even clips talking about it, like they certainly had their ear to the ground as far as like what was happening, you know, around the world. Yeah. But they just had such a you know a, a sort of awesome midwestern charm to what they did. Like I was just gonna say, a lot of their lyrics are very much like young horny guy lyrics you know but like they've got this way of like making a love song poetic in a way that you wouldn't it's more dada or or you know like it's just more 
surreal than like it is it's surreal and it also ends up being charming it ends up being kind of charming more charming right. and and i think that is because they're from kansas as opposed to maybe yeah there's just something about their, their their vibe that they put off and it was very noticeable by the way you know they smiled on their sleeves and everything they just looked like you know we're here to please right and we've right. got some pretty good songs yeah yeah and they didn't and, and they purposely even though a lot of this could be you know uh, people could say punk that it's early punk but they didn't like to call themselves punks right they no, uh, yeah no, i don't yeah. think they i don't think they had that sort of you know even though bill i just watched a bunch of live footage like bill does play a lot of like bar chords and stuff but it's certainly not like bar chords in the way johnny ramone was no, playing bar no, chords right yeah he, not just, at like, all. he had all these interesting little fills inside of what he was doing even if it sounded basic you know it's just like he was a very interesting guitar player oh yeah you know yeah. so uh, before uh before we get into the record i just want to say that i'm real happy to say that it's available on a uh, Bandcamp, and that's where i got it yeah. i got uh, on Bandcamp. so anyone you know that's that's great i always love that when bands you know uh, it's fine if you could find it just streaming and you stream it, that's great, but the band gets nothing from that. So I'm hopeful that someone at least gets something because it's on band. Yeah, oh, they yeah I would hope so too. Those guys deserve way more in the way of credit. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, 100%. They deserve the lucre. Yeah, right, right. Um, <laughs> but you you know how that goes as much as uh, any of us I know. certainly do. Yeah. <laughs> you do. All how right. do I ever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's get into the record. Um, the first song, Kareen. Let's listen to it. organ sound just kills yeah. me. <laughs> it kills me. Like that ending, at the end of the track, there's like these build-up organ parts that just, they they fill at least playing, I listened to it the other day through a um, Bluetooth speaker and it didn't have the same oomph. Right. But when right, I played right. the record, like there's just this certain power to the way they recorded the organ. It yeah. just lays me out. And the lyrics, John's lyrics in this song, that whole like uh, stain in the sofa arose makes me talk and and Kareem, you know, it's just like oh, it's just like really, I don't know. I really fell for this. I really fell for this stuff when I was 21, 22, 23 years old. I'm like, oh, he's totally being vague, but I know what he's talking about. You know, like you, right. know, you sort of have this sort of thing about your own your own sort of meaning of it. Yes, but right. it was awesome. Well, yeah, because I was, you're, you're right, because it is very vague, but for myself, I was thinking, wow, it, it, he's singing about his, uh, it, you know, uh, when you're young, just uh, making fires and uh, lighting matches and stuff, that's like something, that's like a, yeah. a, a, a big thing you could do just to keep yourself entertained and stuff. And right, uh, right, right. yeah, I feel like it could be as simple as that. And then he says, when he says at the end, there's no doubt about it, my friend's a monster. A monster, you know? yeah. And it's over like, and over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, and then what was that other one? I, I was a student, I thought you were crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. Like another that's another provocative line i was a student i thought you were crazy i don't right. know like all that stuff just laid me out i thought and i i really i've said might have even said this before like i feel like a lot of rock lyrics are just terrible you know like really bad and right. that was like a big selling point was john nichols words oh yeah yeah or even bill bill was like bill i'm sure wrote I'm pretty sure he wrote that um, Lewis and Clark song. Okay, okay. Lyrically. And that's also a great 
lyrical masterpiece. Yeah, like I, though I was saying before, they're just clever, very clever, but it's also delivered in a way where some, like when it starts out, it sounds a little dark and sinister maybe, but once John Such starts singing, you know he's got this little, you know, uh, uh, wink in his in his delivery and he's not doing yeah, it sinister. Yeah. He's sort of like, he's sort of like in on, on the joke or whatever it is, you know? No, I, I, I completely agree because like he's got this, you know, he'll look into the crowd when he's singing, you know, like when the live shows that I've seen and you can just sort of, there's a knowing look on his face. Right. Right. About right. Right. What he's singing, you know, but also I think there is this little, you know, sometimes people just have these little things in their voice. Like you said, that like put it across. It's like, I know you're coming at it from like this is sort of art rock angle, but at the same times, the tunes are really catchy and infectious. And, you know, as someone who did some research for this, this podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, these tunes still stand up 40, 40 years later, 45 years, 40 years later, I guess. Right. Well, that's the yeah. thing. That's the secret sauce, I feel like, because, yeah, art rock, it is very a lot of it is very arty art rock. But still, at the end of the day, the songs are also super catchy and uh, poppy. And uh, that's yeah. what uh, sells yeah. it for me. You know, that's what puts it over yeah. the top. No, me too. The combination it, it's what of those. as a kid. It's what got me as a kid when I first heard these records. You know, right. you're just like, you know, having come out of. A real it was right around the time I was coming out of like a real anglophobic not phobic an anglophilic era. Right. Like right, from like right. 78, 78 to eighty three was very much British centric. And they were just yet another band that I was like, Oh, there's so much good sort of underground rock or college rock, whatever you want to call it. Right, right. It's so hard to to explain to people because we're we were of an age where there was like rock bands, but they were like these untouchable rock bands like uh, Zeppelin and Foghat that played, you know, big yeah. shows, these stadiums. And then all of a sudden there was these little quirky rock bands that still like rocked out really hard, but it was like completely different. Completely different. And you're seeing them in small rooms. So yes. it's, it's like more of a visceral thing than like going with your friends to go see Robin Trower. And exactly, you know, some, exactly. Somebody <laughs> gets somebody gets so wasted, you got to babysit them all night. Like that kind of crap. You know? <laughs> right. Completely different. Yeah. Not that that didn't happen in the punk rock world but it was like it was just different it wasn't like in a big stadium setting and uh yeah it yeah. was different it, it was it was totally different and uh all right so uh, viewmaster again uh, with these songs with the bass uh that prominent bass that's so up front it, this yeah. again it's got that uh, mission of burma vibe but less sinister like i said i felt like there's a uh, just sort of a less sinister more like uh um, a jovial uh, version of it or something, but it's still really great. Um, let's listen to Viewmaster. <laughs> You know, Bob, just listening to this now, this came out in, uh, when, 83, 1983. Yep. I'm going to say that uh, Black Francis, whatever, Frank Black, Charles Thompson was yeah, a fan yeah. of this band, was a big fan. I would not I would not be surprised at all. No, because I'm listening to that now and that uh, the, the quieter parts with the guitar, it sounds like Here Comes Your Man. Uh, 
the Pixies. Yeah. It's got that same yeah, uh, right. that vibe. And uh, yeah. yeah, the fact that the lyrics, like like we said, very vague. You know, sometimes they could be a little sinister. I'll take you to Hoover Dam. You, you, you may not like just what you see. Yell long lament right. in the Badlands. <laughs> Smell not a scent. This is a scene. Yeah, that's just real, you know, just really interesting words in a in a genre in a genre where there's like a lot of crap just a lot of garbage you know and i'm not one i won't even like i don't i i dislike most lyrics so much that it's like even <laughs> if they are bad it, even if they are bad and the music's great like people be like yeah what about the lyrics i'm like well but the the music is so great cuz i'm so attuned to not even care about the lyrics oh right right maybe right. maybe like three or four lines in i'll be like all right i know what's happening with this right, and it's like right. my own it's like my curse it's like a curse to be like, Ugh. like I can't let anything breathe lyrically. I'm already, I'm already like ready to, you know, skewer. That's right. a terrible thing. You know. <laughs> well, you know what? The thing is, some lyrics don't hold up to like doing this, sitting down and actually right. reading them and doing. It. They don't hold up that. But sometimes within the context of the, like you said, the music, the music's great, and sometimes they'll sound good, and you just that, that's fine. You don't have to dig down further. <laughs> well, what's that one that that false scenic debauchery? the fuck is that that's yeah. like on level with like um van dyke's parks you know like right right <laughs> working right. with brian wilson it's just he's he's got this i don't know I, you know i never know where these things come from but i'm always intrigued right well, what would what would what would sort of make you want to put those five you know these five words together and it, it must just be from mixing and matching and just like oh this holds the most this packs the most punch you know right. for him yeah and you'd think i don't know I think for I think a lot of times for songwriters and for bands like this people they're just they're they're smart they're very smart people intelligent people and they're just they just don't want to they're they're uh, fighting against writing the standard you know girl the guy girl songs or you know against writing like that because they realize well one thing that i that, that i realized you know writing songs and then i got a little older is like holy shit you could write about anything you don't have to write anything. about you know yeah. you could just write about anything so why don't more people do that just write about anything yeah i i wrote a song a while back and um it had to do with three separate dreams I had about ice skating. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> and it was like, perfect. Of like, course. they're all different scenarios, and I'm like, I'm just going to write a song about this. Why not? Right, right. You know? <laughs> so it just seems like, the, yeah, the world is wide open, lyrically. You should it be is. able to write so about why, and So why love songs? Do you really need, do we really need any more uh, love songs, you know? I mean. <laughs> or just couch, couch it in something different. Do it, you know, yeah. couch it in a way that, like, I wrote this other song when the two guys that I played it with, like, on and off for years, I told them what it was about and they were like, what? Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> because, they, you know, lyrically, they had no clue to what I was singing about. I love stuff like that. I love that. Yeah, that's great. They had no idea. But I also want to point out, before we go to the next song, I do have to point out just how great Ron uh, Klaus's bass playing is on this song and how he oh my God, interplays yeah. during the quieter parts, the way he interplays with uh, with Bill on the guitar. It's just so good and and not like he barely plays a root note it's all like oh yeah yeah right he is all over the place but not but in a way that still anchors the song really well it's not like he's just going off on some jazz odyssey and you're losing him it's not busy at all so it's it's that i love yeah it's great and all right so uh, i know after they broke up these guys still got together and played a lot and they've done you know over the years right so has uh is have the four guys basically always been involved in the uh i think so as far as i know i'd have to ask bill i meant to reach out to bill before i did this today but kind of just ran out of time right (laughs) but i'm pretty sure it's always been the same the the same lineup almost almost certain and like you know guys that you met in college i think it was that kind of band they just all met at school and really hit it off uh, that, that, that's great. And like I said, I can't believe I didn't pump more information out of Bill back yeah, in the day. Yeah, that's all right. You know what? It's better just to speculate and make up our own shit anyway. Right. <laughs> who, <laughs> like who everybody else's sense of yeah, history who, nowadays. Who, who cares what Bill has to say about his, right. <laughs> his own band? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, I said, uh, I, as I said, they didn't really consider themselves punk, but this next one, a Drive Me to the Park on the Surface, does sound like a really straight-ahead uh, punk tune. Uh, this might be the most straight, straight-ahead punk-esque song on the record. Right. Right. But it's still got this, which I don't know. Let's listen to it. And then I'm going to ask you, because I don't know if the part that changes, if it's a bridge or a chorus. And I don't know. But let's listen to it. And then we could discuss that. Listen to Driving to the Point. Nice.
that whole part right there when he said, there are so many sets. Is that a car? Would you say, is that a chorus or is it a bridge? Well, I think they did the classic move where they did the, the driving to the park is the verse. Right. You know, like they use that phrase over and over in the verses and then totally something different for the what I would call that the chorus. Yeah. Oh, OK. All right. And then that great that great crunchy guitar part afterwards. Yeah. To go back into the first verse. It's just like the way that song is put together is lovely. It, it, it is. And it's very, as you said, the whole, you know, most of it, it, it is very just like classic punk. There was a band from South Florida called The Eat, a great uh, punk Oh, I remember band. The Eat. Yeah, oh, I yeah, remember the... those 45s when they were coming out. I walked out of the So good. It came out around the same time, early 80s, but that the whole yeah. beginning of it sounds like the Eat could be an Eat song, but it really elevates it. When it gets to that, you know, uh, chorus part, whatever, it just sort of elevates everything. And it's uh, yes. so good. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great tune. All right, so Lewis and Clark. So would you say this whole little thing is a, a concept in a way, like a, a kind of a concept record in a way? Oh, I, I would think. say so, yeah. I, I think, you know... It, you know, and I, I'm just, I might be speaking out of line here, but I no, feel right, like do it. <laughs> if you're a band in, yeah, right. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I feel like if, if you're a band in Kansas and you're aware of what's going on in San Francisco and LA and New York and Boston and DC, there must've just been this thing to make you at least want to experience what's going on. Right. West, you know, and, yeah. and I think that, you know, I might be I might be totally off base with that, but I feel like that might be part of it of just like they might have been able to write their own ticket to leave Kansas at least right. for a while. Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of yeah, that's kind of what it, what I meant, what I feel like is kind of the whole vibe, sort of this explorer vibe, because that's a big thing about being in a band and you're when you first start to get to play out and go to different places, you know, and you're going, you're yeah. sort of like explorers, you know, getting in the van and going to these yeah. strange places. Yeah. It is an adventure. So yeah, I definitely get that. You better be ready for some shit. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. <laughs> As they used to say, you better be ready for some shit. <laughs> I know. Isn't it, it? It's so ironic because I used to like when I playing in bands, that was, I, I don't know for, for me, I, I'm just so anal about things and I'm such a control freak that I never totally enjoyed it. But then you look back on it and you think, man, those were the best, uh, some of the best times of my life, you know, like, yeah, no, very, very fun. And that's just it. Like sometimes when you're going through it, it's a bit of a drudgery. Yeah, you know? no, because it's, it's hard. You feel like horrible. You're trapped in a van with these smelly guys that haven't showered. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always think back to that Kim Gordon uh, tour diary that she wrote, which was just called Boys Are Smelly. Oh, right. Which is yeah. like perfectly, perfectly sums up any touring experience. Boys that's are it. smelly. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. And it's true. And sometimes they wallow in it. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right, so let's listen to this next song. Speaking of explorers and all that, pretty sure this is a Bill Goffrey song. Oh, okay, all right, nice. I think he's. I'm pretty sure he sings this one, and I'd love to point out how wonderful of an ending this song has. Just the way it goes up into the up higher register. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll play that. Oh I'll, my god, it's, yeah. If you could play some of that, that would be great. I will. I'll, I'll play the clip from the beginning now, but then I'll I'll definitely play the uh, the end part. Yeah, because you're right. It, it really is great. All right, let's listen to Lewis and Clark.
song. It really is one of the best songs on the record. It's great because it does, this one really does t- tell this little story and still it, yeah. it, it, in parts it's kind of big, but it's, it's just very cool and just kind of draws you in. Yes, no, it's true. Yeah, so I'm gonna play uh, the uh, the whole end part, like you said, when it uh, when it sort of goes up a register and everything. I'm gonna. Oh I'm my god! And the, and the bass playing again, like I I love to just point out how awesome of a bass line Ron Claus has going here for the end. Like he starts doing these upper register things, and uh, yeah, it's great. And as, as I said, obviously Mission of Burma, but also you hear like uh, you hear television and magazine. Uh, a gang yeah. of four which you know obviously this is all stuff that we were listening to and me and uh, Bob were talking about uh, buying import records back then you know you would go straight to right. the import bin and get all these records exactly. and yeah it's just this great music but then it's just it's just in a way it blows my mind it shouldn't it shouldn't that a band from Kansas could do this and make music like this and sound like this but it does in a way it kind of yeah. does no, they, they stood out yeah exactly and uh, I didn't mention they they separate the sides they call it a uh, day one. Side one calls is day one, and then <laughs> side two is night two. <laughs> it only yeah, that's that's the end of your death travels west tale. <laughs> exactly. So we got uh, the beginning of night two now, and let's listen to a little bit of D ring. sort of uh, spaceship alien song what i love about these guys is that it, it's very it's very heavy and aggressive sounding but then they throw in they always got that they won't be coming back like that just really tuneful yeah. uh aggressively tuneful like earworm things that they throw into the songs d rings might have been the tune that i threw on more mixtapes for people oh okay like just because it just starts so heavily with that that kick drum and bass and then the guitar comes in, and it's probably up there with the most guitar, ferocious guitar sounds that Bill ever laid down. Right. You know, and it's just, it's so good and so propellant. Like yes. it just, right. It, you know, like it, that song just lurches yep. along at a great clip. Yeah. And you're right. It's like, it's got that, it's got that huge hook of we won't be coming back. You know, yeah. it's just like, it's and cool. I hope that whole line of uh, don't be opposed. Oh, come a little closer. Don't be a poser. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. I'm like, oh, that's, <laughs> knowing that the goth era was happening around that part. I'm sure that might've been one of the, like, don't be a poser. Come a little closer. Oh, right, you know? right, right. Yeah. Because <laughs> these guys, st- you know, the thing, the thing that I love, and I guess what I was saying before, what makes it kind of charming is these guys are weirdos, but they're like weirdos, but they're like weirdos that are, aggressive weirdos you know and that and that own and and that own it all and that that, you know and that sort of you know make they're not putting on airs and they're not putting you know they're not they're not wearing some punk uniform or something or conforming to anything they're just making music exactly what they want to do and the music they want to make and and that's so cool and refreshing from a lot of you know a lot of the other bands that maybe were around that time well, I think they probably were very psyched once they figure out the chemistry they had. Yeah. You know, that must have been, you know, I, I the one moment, one of the moments I've had as a musician was playing with um, Eric Matthews and Richard Davies as like the first time we got together. 
Like once we realized what we could do. Oh, right, right. You know, it's like it was like a moment. And I don't have too many of those. Like, I don't even think I had one really with Sebado. Like with Sebado, it was more like, all right, we got to learn these tunes. And blah, blah, blah. Right. Whereas right. With, with Cardinal, it was more like, holy shit, what did you just do on that vocal? You know, like we were just blown away by what we had done. And that's probably happened maybe once or twice otherwise. But I think with the embarrassment, living where they were and like just being excited about punk rock and everything, it you know, and then playing. And just having this thing come out. Yeah, no, <laughs> just, uh, yeah. Just have to, just to have everybody to have the ability and the energy and the want to keep getting better at it. Because they really, there's like so few bands really didn't look through the pooch, you know, during their four or five years or whatever. And I felt like, you know, right from their first single, which is the excellent Sex Drive 45, if you haven't heard that, you should check that out. Yep. Scott Trantam at the windows down, but he's in a jam with the girls around. And, you know, it's just like they just they almost batted a thousand, you know, like they just had a lot of great tunes. Well, that's it. You know, you I think you you hit the nail on the head because the chemistry, you could hear the uh, chemistry of them together, the four of them yeah. together. It wouldn't if anybody wasn't there, it wouldn't be the same band. It, it wouldn't just be wouldn't. the same band. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. so big. And, and you're right. Once later on, you realize how special that is. That's not something that that comes along uh, every day. Holy crap. Know? Yeah. I mean, when people pivot out of good bands and then they don't, you know, and then they, and then nothing happens, right. you know, for, for them, it's just like, Oh dude, you had it. You had it. You had this chemistry. <laughs> you had yeah. This thing with these people. Yeah. And, know, uh, but, like, but, yeah. but that guy, uh, he was an asshole. So I get, you know, I got someone right, else. Yes, I was like, yeah, yeah, of course he was an <laughs> asshole, but you guys were perfect together. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, here we got another one. Very um, literary, this band, I feel like. And, and I, I, you know, it's, it just comes back to the thing that they're just clearly smart, intelligent people. And yes. just because there's some literary references going on here, let's listen to chapter 12. <laughs> Fading it out, but there's no end. There's no end <laughs> there's until the fat lady sings. <laughs> well, there's an end, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Bob, have you seen, uh, uh, there's a documentary, right? There, I think, you know, it's funny because like in doing this research for this, I saw that like 10 days earlier, there was a, a trailer that just came out about a movie on the, on the embarrassment. I'm very excited yeah. to, to see it. We were fa- it's called We Were Famous, You Don't Remember, which is a line from right. the uh, uh, Lewis and Clark song. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that, uh, that's great. Because still in, in doing in trying to do research, there's still it, it's still hard to, to find too much uh, about this band. The, no, I mean, there, as far as I remember, they had that first 45 um, and then the Celebrity Art Party EP and then Death Travels West. And then there was a. Uh, a retrospective cassette that came out. I forget the name of it. It's like in a, got a red case, but it's it's on Fresh Sounds, which also put out the Death Travels West record. But it's like it's like live stuff and songs that didn't make it onto their releases, and it's also great. Right, like there's a right. very you know, like it's just they they choose really good songs to cover, you know, like and just yeah, they just like I said, they they just had a great great 
run there for yeah for a, a, while. A, a short but great you know which sometimes it's better because they didn't get a chance to 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 start to suck and like to to lose it. Well, they didn't make their love beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> any chance to slam that record I'll, I'll throw that into any podcast uh, okay, right, <laughs> <do it. laughs> no that's good that's all I, I just need to mention it I don't even even need to say anything about it <laughs> right, right. well you know hey, it, it, there is something to be said for uh, you know just doing a quick uh, run and then just sort of and then once in a while uh, getting together and, and it's great because uh, you know as I said I've had so many other guests and bands you know reference them reference the embarrassment and obviously they're uh they're a band that many people love but obviously also a band that most people haven't heard of well i was just gonna say i was shocked that nobody had done this record yet oh right yeah i remember you said that you said i'm gonna no one's done the embarrassment i'm gonna do the embarrassment yeah nice i'll do it you know like and I, i i feel like i have a little bit of an in with bill but like i said i didn't i didn't talk you know we did like I think we did two or three big tours together right. and it just never, you know, just never came up talking to the guy. He was really at that point, Bill was really into the Smiths and he was really into um, Frank Sinatra. Oh, that's so funny. That's like, so he funny. almost like it, it was just like, those were the two things he was really, really into. Like he, he went to see uh, Frank Sinatra when we were on tour once we had a night off in Vegas and he went to see Sinatra. Oh, wow. So that's what his, <laughs> By the late 80s, that's where his head was at. That's where he his was head. Not- well, you know what? Uh, uh, Frank Sinatra, I mean, I, I don't see that on the service, but the Smiths, I could see uh, Johnny Marr just because of Johnny Marr's guitar playing and Bill. I could yeah, exactly. see him uh, I think that was a big- loving that. I could see him loving that and just being. Uh, yeah, because so- it's the same thing. It's like really good chord knowledge, exactly. but also just all these beautiful little melodic runs in the midst of it all, right. all being done by him. You know? right. So it's like, yeah. well, of course you're going to like that. That's of like course. a very similar MO to of what course. Bill does. Yeah, exactly. All right. So again, like I said, you could uh, this to me, this is like British post-punk via Kansas. Um, uh, Yes. uh, The song Hip and Well Read. I believe it got in moving him just beneath the skin. Numbing and cunning, life from them, proving him this hellishly grim. The killer ill of a feminine scheme, she's laid him out, flattened him to see. The two idiom and her mother tricks, he won't fit the plan with my other bricks. Hip and well red, hip and well red, hip and well red, non cost effect. That's basically the ballad of the art babe. <laughs> oh, okay, right, right. Yeah. And, you know, to me it's like it's trying to impress the art babe, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or just knowing what the art babe is, you know, right, like calling right, her right. on her on her hip and well redness. Although, you know, you know, girls that are well read, that's okay with me. You yeah, know? yeah, of course. <laughs> And and um, musically, the song, uh, the vibe is like different than just about anything else on the record. And and that's another thing I love. Even though it's short, there's only eight songs, but it definitely there's all different you know things going on on this. Uh, yeah, on, on it's this not record. a static record at all. There's no. like a lot of, you know, I mean, this song has that relentless bass line. Yeah, holy crow! You know, the same three notes I think almost the whole way through, and it's just like absolutely on like yeah, yeah like just hearing him play it i'm like that must be exhausting right right <laughs> yeah but it's just uh it's just everything uh, as we said it's everything we loved at the time about this new you know new music that was coming out you know a lot of it was c- coming out of england but just this new music that was just counter to what had come before it in rock and uh not not too much different from like the whole thing with the beatles coming over here and then all these garage bands started and then everything got louder and more psychedelic. It's like, there was just this, there was this fantastic give and take with like British bands and underground bands in the States. There was obviously a lot more exposure and a lot more, you know, a a chance for a band that was like small potatoes in the UK to all of a sudden, like, 
holy crap, they put out this single and it's huge. You know, right, like, and now, right, right. Now they're coming over to the States and they're actually playing in like, you know, 700 capacity clubs. And, but a lot of it was just bands just coming over and playing at the rat and the paradise and these smaller places. And, yeah. you know, yep. it's the way it was. Like when I hear like, Oh, Susie's, in the Banshees played at the Paradise? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, like just that's like 500 people came out to see him. Like, it just didn't seem possible. But that was that was a good thing for a punk rock band to bring out 500 people back in 1981 or whatever in oh, the yeah. States. Oh, yeah, you know? for sure, for sure. And and I, I always feel like I always wonder, like, more bands from here, if they had ventured out to England, you know, sooner and done tours there, it, you know, they really could have broken out. Like the uh, Pixies ended up doing, you know, later in, in the 80s. Right. They went and they became, you know, that's that's how they, you know, they became huge going in there in, in the UK because they yeah. love them there. Yeah. Well, they just sort of perfected the formula, I guess, of like what the, the groundwork that a lot of these other bands did. Exactly, exactly. And yep. um, and and again, they, you know, like I have, I think the the first few Pixies records, even like the the last record, I I liked uh, those lyrics. I thought they, you know, like lyrically, I thought they were a good band, and that that was one of the things that kept me into them throughout their four album career there at the beginning. You right, know, right. Yeah, you know, I thought those records were were good records. Oh yeah, and I was you know because they were so popular, and I was in my twenties, would have been really easy to just write them off. But of I'm course, like, no, nope, right. <laughs> nope. I, these these records still hit me in a way. You know? Yep, yep, so. for sure. Uh, all right, so now we get the epic existential closer, right? Wouldn't you say this? Yes. Uh, death oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> was it worth traveling west? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's cool. It, it, it's it's really cool, and uh, yeah, it definitely uh, definitely a great closer. Uh, the the longest song. I mean, you got a lot of short songs, but this this is like the epic yeah. for sure of the album. I guess it's the marquee moon of the record. There you go. Own, like, you know? <laughs> death, death travels west. great lyrical masterpiece from from john nichols yeah i'm 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 reading them now the lyrics and they're just they're yeah they're really good <laughs> they're, they're, they're really great. good yeah 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 the uh i mean it starts so strong with that uh boy on a cycle and what's the meets a man uh, with a sickle yeah. meets a man with a sickle i mean that's that's great <laughs> talk about setting a tone yeah you know like that's some creepy Midwestern shit right there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the absurdist, they get the absurdist. I didn't get to it, but the part where he says he sped to the doctor, he sped to the doctor as well as the clown. So you got the right. <laughs> doctor and the clown. Um, oh, yeah, it's creepy AF. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. It is for sure. For sure. But you know, uh, it, 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 it was like a perfect ending to the record just cause it's just like that, I guess it's not a Bo Diddley beat, but like there's just the, the Tom work yeah. throughout just it's so incredibly hypnotic, you know, when it, when it does come around to that death travels West part, like the bass does these wonderful little fills. It's just like, but it really is like a one chord wonder kind of tune, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. The, no, it's great. And, and just the fact that there's only eight songs it did, like I said, I, I got that. I, I, you know, I got, as soon as you said you were doing it, I bought it off a of band camp and I was just listening to it. And yeah, you'd get to the end and it's like, Oh shit, I'm going to listen to this again. I'm going right, to go yeah, it again. Really Cause it's so good. I had it the, the way I really sort of got into it was I, when I, 
when I bought it, I, I made a tape with that and the first Germs record on one. Um, oh, nice. On, on one cassette. So that that cassette just got so much play in the car. And I think I put the Celebrity Art Party EP on the end of the LP. So it was just like this full 45 minutes of, uh, of uh, the embarrassment. And that's really where I just like got to know the record inside out. Right. Like it was never too far from reach, you know, in the car. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Do you remember doing that? You'd make these. Yeah. You'd cram as much as you could on a, a cassette and that cassette. You would right. just have it and you would just listen to it over and over. Yeah. And then my, my thing at the time would like I would always just if I had like a minute and a half at the end and didn't want to throw another song on, I would just turn on the radio and spin the dial and record that. Oh, really? <laughs> I would get all these weird, you know, like weird ads falling in with each other. And Oh, wow. Look at know, that. <laughs> Yeah, that was really fun. I kind of forgot that I used to do that. But there, I, if I went and listened to some old tapes, I'm sure I'd hear some snippets, you know. That's really being extra. That's doing extra on your uh, to yeah, I, entertain it, yourself. I had a lot of fun awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a fun thing to do back in the day. I just, you know, when you have so much music at your... Once I started traveling and touring stuff and meeting people and becoming pen pals with people, that was like... That was just all the impetus I needed to, to right. make mixtape, really. And yeah, that was always fun. Right. And now, and in a way, things have come full circle because you're uh, you got a little part time gig. You're working at a record store again, right? So what's this? It's, what's this? Yeah, story it's kind of unbelievable. It really. I mean, it's not unbelievable. I was asked, <laughs> right? Do it. You know, I really had to think about it because I'm like, all right, you know, like I could, at 60, I'm starting to think, well, I can see this kind of, I can see an end game to the record deals and you know, like the, all this stuff that I'm doing. Right. But it's not yet. No. It's <laughs> so like when, when I um when I decided I was going to work for store credit, I didn't want it to just be, Oh, I'm going to get records and flip them. I re I wanted to really own the record. Yeah. Cause it would be easy enough to just get collectible records and make profit. And like, I just wasn't super interested in that. Oh, good. And maybe down the road, you know, like that <laughs> might happen I'm just saying for now. That wasn't my, my purpose to do it, but it's just been a real blast. And like the store has probably, about 50,000 records, like including what's on the floor and then what's out back. And, right. and then there's other, other sort of parts of the building that they have records in. It's just madness how many records they have at, in that building. Oh, that's great. But it's, it's been real fun and it's quiet. It's like, it's quiet enough that it's not like, um, you, it's a destination. You have to drive there to get there. And right, right. there's no place, there's no place to walk around. So it's not like people coming in and going like, Oh, they still make records, huh? And then well, walking right. out. And, you know, there's none of that horse shit. <laughs> oh, good. If you come yeah. in there, you chances are, you know, who Peter Bratzman is, you know, it's like, a destination. <laughs> okay. That's good. Yeah, destination What's the name spot. of the store again? What's it called? It's called feeding tube records. It's in Florence, Massachusetts at two twenty one pine street, room one forty one. Nice. And there's my pimp. And There's Bob, my pimp for the <laughs> And you know, Bob, you have you have kids, so eventually you could leave your records to your kids. So that's Oh, uh, it's you know, my daughter who's nineteen, she's actually very into uh CDs because they're cheap. Yeah, uh, right, right, right. You know, so she her and her friends will come into feeding tube and they'll they'll come out with stacks of CDs. Oh okay. so now she has she has teetering stacks of CDs in her in her room right now. Oh nice. But my daughter, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you something that gives me joy. My my older daughter, Corey, she's got a, a lot of my records I just got rid of and I gave them all to her. And I love it. It nice. just makes me so happy that she'll sit and listen to Ramon's Live, the Ramon's Live thing that I remember having my dad drive me to a record store to buy it oh, yeah. right when it came out. And now she listens to it and loves it. And that just, you know, it just makes me so happy. So that's great. Well, I used to, that was for years when people would ask favorite live record, I'd be like, Ramon's, it's alive. Like, I wouldn't even think about it. Ramon's, it's alive. An old girlfriend of mine, it was the first one she heard, so she thought all the studio records were slow. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> and she's absolutely right. You know, yeah. it's just like, yeah, that record. It's Alive is just amped up a whole other level of Ramonesness. Oh, so great, so great. So, Bob, so, so are you still making music at all? You are, I'm right? Yeah, you I'm are. actually in the midst of, uh, I'm, I'm, I've been playing with some friends every Wednesday night for years and years, and we're finally going to go into the studio. we got like a clutch of songs. Speaking of EPs, we want to do like a six-song EP. Nice. And that's the goal. And we've been just like tinkering with these tunes. It's like the, we've been doing it forever. The band is called Lost Hours. And um, we've been tinkering with these six songs for a really long time. So right. it's like, it's going to be very different from us hanging out and like working on tunes and being like, yeah, that's good enough. Like we're, 
we're getting way more into the nuts and bolts of it and it's it's awesome it's very fun uh, that's great because i'm playing with like-minded studious freaks right and so right, like right right they're, they're down for the challenge and so we're all into it and and that's really been my main focus i haven't had a a super urge to play shows or anything i haven't really been doing anything like that so, yeah yeah um, no i yeah. get that but and, that's you know, COVID just COVID just threw such a weird wrench into everything that I'm just like, eh, at my own time, you know, I'll, I'll eventually start playing shows again and, yeah. and stuff. But I, I, you know, I'm really not super jazzed to go to clubs and like four bands and like waiting till 11 o'clock to play. And yeah, like, you know, just, I know, I just, I know. I'm, I'm kind of that, over that right? noise. Yeah, I'm over just that. kind of over it. Same. Like you want me to play at your bookstore or your record store or at a house party? I'll do that. Right. You know? like, right. Right. You know? Much cooler. It just seems like that's way more of a, uh, social world I want to be in, you know? Yep. So, all right. Lost hours though. That's cool. And, uh, don't forget everyone. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. It's at that record. Got me high. Also that Facebook group got me high on Twitter. It's at TRGMH podcast. You can email me at TRGMH 33 at gmail.com. Email me and tell me, Oh man, I love the, I love the embarrassment and you guys totally fucked it up, but, uh, that's fine. <laughs> I, I, I I could take it if you want to give me a criticism, whatever. I could take it. Uh, don't forget, most importantly, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. Become a patron. I appreciate it. Bob, this was great. This is a great record. I'm so glad you picked the embarrassment, and I'm glad you, you were nice. really I'm good. Glad, yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun for me, and I think this is something I've been thinking about for a while. It, to, I mean, I'm always thinking about the embarrassment as far as like more people need to hear them, and this is like the perfect vehicle to do my little part All right, to help awesome. them out. And then maybe finally when you're done and when the Lost Hours EP is ready to come out, maybe you come on again and talk about some other record. And then I would, we get, uh, we I would get, love it. Always a pleasure. As well. All right. Great. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Rob Elba. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>